live from Studio 67 in Florida's Capital County. It's time to be fackish. Access granted. Good people. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in. As we sum up the last committee week, hallelujah, thank God, um, we'll get a week off and then we'll move into the real thing. With that, I am Davin Suggs, the policy director for FACT, and let's see who else is with us. Let's do our staff roll call. And instead of email addresses today, I want to know about superheroes. I want to know a little bit about the staff. So let's start with Sarah. How you doing? Hello, everyone. It is Sarah, Facts Policy Analyst, and not a huge Marvel fan, but if I had to choose, probably Spider-Man. And the reason I say that is I grew up watching the older Spider-Man, and I loved Tobey Maguire. I think he executed that role perfectly. All right. I don't know if she likes Spider-Man or Tobey Maguire. It's to be determined. All right. Let's go with... Bob, I'm putting you on the spot. How you doing? Who's your superhero? I, I, I'm Bob McGee. I do finance, tax, and appropriations issues. And since Sarah stole mine, Davin, I'm going to have to go with you. You are my superhero. <laughs> Man, that guy should get a raise. Eddie, you're shooting bad. Bob has won for the week already. Eddie, how you doing? How you doing, Davin? Uh... Eddie Labrador, Senior Legislative Counsel for and my favorite superhero is He-Man. Ah, I watch He-Man with my little brother, even though I'm 14 years old. Uh, I used to sit and watch it with him when he was growing up. He-Man, that's good. Sarah and Jeff might not know who He-Man is. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. All right, next, I've been waiting for this one. I want to hear this one. Tonette Graham, how you doing? Greetings. I am Tonette Graham, your go-to girl for all things COVID, healthcare, safety, and public justice. Um, public safety, yeah, that right there. My superhero would have to be supervillain's Poison Ivy because she's quiet, she's a little feisty, but she's loyal to a T and she only bothers those who bother her or those she loves. So wait, your superhero is a supervillain. Listen. I get it. I get it. Gives me a little insight into who I'm dealing with. The legislature should be aware. All right. <laughs> as we round out here, Tiffany, how you doing? Welcome. Hey. Hi. Thank you. I am Tiffany Henderson, the Senior Public Policy Coordinator. And my superhero wears the real S on her chest. She is a real life phenom, Serena Williams. And Serena is the GOAT. However, she did fall short last night to Naomi Osaka in the Australian Open semifinal. However, you know, I love tennis growing up. I used to love watching Steffi Graf. Um, Serena actually passed Steffi's numbers. With, so she's at 23 Grand Slams. So, um, you know, I'm excited. I think Serena's going to make it to 25 Grand Slams or beyond. Thank you very much, Tiffany. Very, very interesting. All right. All of America, all of Florida is waiting on Jeff. How you doing, Jeff? 
Good, Devin. Jeff Scala. I handle environment, water, energy uh, here at FAC. And my favorite superhero, well, more of a mutant, is Wolverine. And he, he may have a gnarly beard and some really sharp adamantium claws, but it's, it's the ability to regenerate and stay young. Why I love Wolverine. Hey, Wolverine's pretty good. But all right, here's a test question. What type of claws does he have? Adamantium. Bob, can you spell that? Now. Okay, good answer. Good answer. All right, guys, that's good. But just if you guys are out. wondering, hold on. If you're wondering, my favorite superhero has always been Batman. And Bob, I told you this, but Batman's my favorite superhero because he's a regular guy. His superpower is he's rich as hell. And his utility belt. So um that's it. Very simple. Always and- been Batman. And I think it's important everybody understand you don't have to have great powers. You can still have great responsibilities. Ah, very good, Bob. Bob, I want you raising my grandkids. All right. You can be Uncle Bob for right now. All right. Let's get into the show. My personal favorite segment is the rundown. This is where we go through what happened. And, you know, this week was a little bit busier than last week. So, so Net, did you get that message I left on your voicemail? Tonette, are you there? Hello? Sorry, I had connection issues. I'm here. Okay, did you get the voicemail I left for you? Of course. All right, you know, for everybody else that's wondering, here's what it said. It's about to go down. Before COVID, HB7 passed its final committee on Tuesday by Representative McClure. Its Senate companion was TP in commerce and tourism. The healthcare version for healthcare civil liability was heard in its first committee, the House Health and Human Services. And last but not least, SB 510, the state funds for affordable housing. We want to protect, protect the Sadaf Trust funds that passed its committee. That's it for me. Man, all right. Thank you. Are you okay? Do you need some water? I can bring you some water right quick. I would prefer sparkling, but I don't think you have that here. Okay, this is true. I don't. We're on a low budget, low budget production. All right. Hey, Jeff. What's up? How you doing? Fantastic. All right. You know what? This is where you say what? Say what? What? It's about to go down. Well, this week in environment and water, there were some bills that FAC was supporting in committee that uh, passed unanimously. Senate Bill 514, uh, Resiliency, that would set up the State Office of Resiliency passed by by Senator Ray Rodriguez. Also, House Bill 217 and Senate Bill 588, those are companion bills uh, that would honor former Broward County Commissioner Kristen Jacobs uh, by renaming the Southeast Florida Coral Reef ecosystem conservation area after her passed unanimously. Um, Senate Bill 694, the displacement of private waste companies uh, passed unanimously by Senator Ray Rodriguez. Uh, I want to thank all the counties who sent out a response to our survey on that. We are going to work with the sponsor on that bill. Uh, Senate Bill 88, the right to farm bill passed four to one in the Senate Environment and Natural Resources Committee. 
and House Bill 53 by Representative Siglia, Public Works Projects passed 10 to 6. Bob, you know, I'm going to take it easy on you today because I'm your superhero. Okay. So we're just going to go right into it. Bob, it's about to go down. All right. In the finance and tax area, the few bills were up this week. Um, one was Senate Bill 704 by Senator Gruters, dealing with film incentives. FACC has a support position for state programs promoting film activity in the state. And so we did put in a card of support on the bill. The other issues that went on in the finance and tax world this week were both dealing with um, the e-fairness issue. The House Ways and Means Committee workshopped the remote sales issue. They had uh, members of the business community come in who by and large supported Florida modernizing its tax structure to conform with what 43 out of 45 states who currently collect sales tax do after the Wayfair case. Um, The uh, business owners specifically indicated to the committee that today all Florida businesses have to collect tax for other states. And what we're talking about here is people in other states having to reciprocate and collect the Florida tax because that burden is already on all Florida businesses. Uh, The Senate took a, a, a further step forward on the same issue, passing Senator Gruder's bill, Senate Bill 50, out of the Finance and Tax Committee. Um, That bill does take the Wayfair provisions um, and will also be a part of my one big thing later. Thank you, Bob. I like how you time it. Bob has rhythm. You time to start and the end. That's pretty good. You are, you want to be the host of the show, Bob? Tell the truth. Are you sure? I I like input. I could never wear your cape. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bob is getting a bonus before session starts. That's awesome. Now for the major segment of Fackish, Sarah. One big thing. All right, back again with another data point. Because all my data points thus far have been focused around COVID and their long-term effects in some of our sectors, I wanted to take this last week to shift the focus on an issue that is probably one of the most crucial, if not the most crucial, for our state to address ASAP, and that is environmental climate change causing sea level rising, flooding, erosion, and a lot of other issues to unpack. So breaking it down, we have 35 coastal counties in our state and around 16 million people across Florida living in a coastal area who are dealing with these problems of beach erosion, sea level rising and flooding in their communities whenever a natural disaster comes through. So we know over the past few years that hurricane trends have been increasing over time, costing the state billions of dollars in cleanup and displacing Floridians, increasing our property taxes and our insurance rates. And we saw that very close to her home with Hurricane Michael destroying our panhandle ocean communities, and they still have not fully recovered from that tragedy, unfortunately. So diving into some long-term effects here, we've seen this since around 1950. uh, Sea levels around Florida has raised around eight inches, and it's predicted around Key West, Florida by 2040 
10 to 17 inches will be raised by 2070 21 to 54 inches and by 2120 40 to 136 inches which unfortunately might mean that miami will be underwater by then so on the property side of things florida has seen a loss of 5.42 billion due to flooding and an estimated property value devaluation over time will be 2030, 10 to 30 billion and 2040, 30 to 80 billion. So as you can see, there's a potential here for some major economic loss in our state, a loss in our real estate industry and an impact on our tourism industry, which brings of course, a lot of revenue into the state. So the question is, what is the state doing? What are communities doing to mitigate disaster and address some of these sea level rising? Um, over the past couple of years, there has been some resiliency legislation and as Jeff covered, SB 514 and House Bill 315 resiliency this year creates a sea level task force to help gather consensus over anticipated sea level rises and flooding impacts. And the governor has proposed a $1 billion into resiliency projects over the next four years in the state. So. We've seen on the state level, things are getting done hopefully soon. And on local communities, they have come up with coalition projects and programs to discuss what they can do to prevent these problems. So I think that this issue will continue to be important. It's gonna to continue to be relevant into the way we plan and the way we develop our future infrastructure in the state in the next few years. And me and Davin, major shout out to our Urban Caucus Chair, Commissioner Janet Long from Pinellas County who brought this issue to the forefront at our legislative conference this past year. Yeah, no, I was just about to ask you about that because I know, and she has a conference every year um, about that. And uh, bottom line, Jeff, there's a lot of pressure on you. This is your policy area. And Sarah has teed it up. Now you got to fix it. Yeah, well, thankfully, we got a lot of backup from our our county commissioners and regional coalitions. All right, good stuff. Thank you, Sarah. Um, With that, Tiffany. What is your one big thing? Hi, everybody. My one big thing is coming from the Department of Economic Opportunity. They shared some information with us on um, a broadband grant that's out there. Basically, uh, um, it's through Expanding Potential in Communities grant program, EPIC, Expanding Potential in Communities. I like that acronym, EPIC. But anyway, it's a million-dollar grant program. It's funded by Truist Bank. It's administered by the Internet Society. The program provides grants for eligible communities across the Southeast United States, including Florida. And the grants will range from $125,000 to $180,000. The application process is now open until March 5th. 2021. So those interested, please um, look into this. We will have information on Access 67, our broadband um, website, um, nonprofit organizations, local governments, municipalities, townships, public-private partnerships, cooperative organizations are all eligible to apply for this truest epic grant. The grant is geared towards networks that serve low-income communities with significant Black, Indigenous, and diverse populations. Grant funding may be used to build new networks or expand an existing one. So we'll provide more information on that in our upcoming um, newsletters, and we'll also have this on our website. So it's so exciting um, information on the grant. 
All right. All right. Tiffany, thank you. That's excellent information as well. And it just one note, uh, DEO, they just recently finished all their regional workshops on putting together their broadband plan. Is that correct? That is correct. Excuse me. Yes, that is correct. They concluded those workshops on February 12th. And so um, the information gathered and the information learned during those workshops will go into putting together the strategic plan that they are required to um, to develop. All right. Thank you, Tiffany. Strong this week. Very strong. All right, Bob, I'm not picking on you, even though I want to because it's so fun. I will not because I'm your superhero. This might last two or three weeks. So Robert McKee, the people want to know, what is your one big thing? The one big thing this week in the finance and tax area really took place last Friday. And that's where the revenue estimating conference adopted an impact for the e-fairness issue, Senate Bill 50. The big thing is that that impact is significantly higher for the 21-22 year than what was estimated a year ago. A year ago, the total impact on the bill was predicted to generate an additional $657 million, state and local. This year's bill for 21-22 is estimated to generate $1.2 billion, state and local, in 21-22. Now, most of that difference is due to increased online sales by Florida residents during the pandemic. So it's not really new money, it's recapturing recently lost money due to changes of behavior during the pandemic. The other big thing, Davin, is how long it's gonna take me to get my nose cleaned off. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I'm gonna let the music play a little longer. It's awesome. Awesome. That's good. One big thing, Bob. Lots of money. How many people are Amazon Prime members? Everybody shop through Amazon. They shop through everything else. Yeah. I just spent a lot of money on Amazon. Contributing to I the- I bought shoelaces on Amazon Prime a yes. few weeks back. And now we're going to be able to just build passes. I'll get my tax revenue off those shoelaces and everything else. Oh, I fill out my DR15MO. Yeah, Sarah doesn't. We established that Sarah does not voluntarily remit taxes for her online purchases. We're going to work on that. Might take it out or check. So, Nat, are you missing Eric? I will bring I Eric am. back. Where's the pool man? Yeah, I'll bring him back. He's he's busy. You know, he's a superstar. He started his own podcast, so doesn't have time without for us, us. Without us, but you know what? He doesn't have. One big thing. So the one big thing in the COVID and health, safety, and justice world would definitely have to be House Bill 7. The entertainment that went on with that this Tuesday was a shocker. I felt like I was in a law class with Professor Annalise Keating. It was just crazy to see how fast the bill came up and amendments were sliced and diced in TP. This is the civil liability bill that will allow um, business entities the protections for acting out of good faith for COVID. And the way that things just moved, it was insane and crazy. I'm curious to see what's going to happen with the Senate version by Senator Brandis. It was TP this week, but I'm curious to see what 
be the outcome, how the D's will come together with the Republicans, who's going to crash, what's going to occur, and what the final thing will look like when it gets to both the House and Senate floor. All right. Thank you, Tonette. Yeah, no, that was very entertaining to see the, um, I think Jeff and I talked about it, the procedural trickery. Or not trickery, maybe it was intended. There was no tricks in it. I think it was very blatant. Right, right. the lawyers were lawyering. <laughs> yes. So uh, it was getting close to session. Things are getting real around here. So thank you for that one big thing. All right, I think I'm going to head back down to Fort Lauderdale. And Eddie, the people want to know, what is your one big thing? House Bill 403 by Representative Gio Lombardo uh, relating to home business, uh, home-based businesses uh, passed in the House Regulatory Reform Committee. That bill um, provides that local governments may not enact or enforce any ordinance, regulation, or policy that, uh, or take any action to license or otherwise regulate home-based businesses in a manner that's different from how we regulate other businesses that are not home-based. Um, we are allowed to, um, a home-based business uh, must be wholly located within a residential property. Uh, it must be a, an activity that's secondary to uh, the residential, the use of the residential property. Uh, only people who reside in the actual residential property uh, may have the uh, home-based business, but the home-based business can also have up to two employees that do not reside within the residential dwelling. Uh, parking for the business activities of the home-based business must comply with local zoning requirements. And that's some of the highlights for that bill. Uh, that bill next goes to um, the House Commerce Committee, which is its last committee of reference. So uh, keep tuned in. Yeah, no. Thank you, Eddie. And I know that bill was around last year. There was um, the Senate companion was not heard last year. I think Senator Perry has it. It has not moved yet, but I know it does cause issues. We don't have time today, but I'm sure that we can come up with a lot of examples of home-based businesses that we might not want to permit or allow or we might want or regulate a little bit. Absolutely. All right, I'm excited. Last week, he said we saved the best for last. So we're going to see, can he get two weeks in a row here? Jeff, I personally want to know about one big thing. And this is about one bill I talked about earlier in the rundown, House Bill 53, Public Works Projects by Representative DeSiglia. It was heard for the first time during the House Governmental Operations Subcommittee where it passed 10 to 6. And this bill is a preemption bill that will preempt existing local ordinances related to the procurement process when any state funds are used. And a little bit of legislative rewind on why this is so significant. In 2017, during that session, uh, House Bill 599 by Representative J.R. Williamson, former Santa, Santa Rosa County Commissioner, um, 
had some more of a compromise to that preemption where instead of an outright ban uh, on the local preferences, that there would be a need to be a threshold of 50% or more of the cost paid from state appropriated funds. Um, you know, the compromise language then uh, has been coming back, you know, a few times here and they've been clawing at it to try to remove those preferences. And we're, we're talking about preferences on wages, benefits, specific training, apprenticeship programs, and uh, the impacts of referendum that uh, show the uh, local hiring thresholds uh, that are needed. We're talking about local businesses and local communities and those communities like Broward County who have passed those referendums. So we're gonna work with Representative DeSiglia and, and seeing if we can work on this bill. And I'm gonna have to bring in Mr. Keyman himself, uh, our legal counsel, Eddie Labrador, the, the big guns. Man, yeah, you don't need that. He man, now he man had a pet. Anybody know what he man's pet was? I don't. It was he a big man, cat, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was a tiger or something. So when he man transformed and had on his battle armor, the tiger, the cat, or whatever would get battle armor too. So, and then he had a sidekick, Shira, female version of he man. Sometimes she would appear from episode to episode too. I'm gonna go back and YouTube. You guys should YouTube he man. This is good stuff. Jeff, excellent, big thing. All right. On to the most highly rated segment in the history of Fackish. You know what it, time it is. Tiffany's Shoutouts. Hey, everybody. Yes, I do have some shoutouts today. Um, first, Fackish Legislative Day, Wednesday, March 17th, 2021. I certainly hope you have already marked your calendars to attend. The event will be happening at Donald L. Tucker Civic Center Arena. Um, so plenty of space for social distancing and of course, mask wearing protocols are in place. You have two options to, um, for your attendance. First option is virtually. You can attend virtually. If you attended our legislative conference in December, then you know we put on one epic virtual event as well as in-person option is available so um, if you can come to Tallahassee we'd love to see you uh, so it's a hybrid event and um, we're looking forward to some featured guest speakers so far we have the Ag Commissioner Nikki Freak scheduled we have the Secretary of the Department of Transportation Secretary Tebow Secretary of the Department of Environmental Protection Noah Valentine. We have the Secretary of State, Laurel Lee, joining us. So I think this may be her time with us. So we're very excited about that. And also the Department of Economic Opportunities Executive Director, Dane Eagle. We have them slated so far and we anticipate we're going to have some more VIP guests. Please register to attend. We look forward to um, your participation virtually or in person. My next shout out is for NACO, our National Association of Counties. They have unveiled their plans for their legislative conference and they are going completely virtual. March 8th through the 26th, each week they will feature something different. So the first week they're gonna have committee meetings of their advisory committees and caucuses. Then they'll have governance meetings the following week. 
And then their final week will be a virtual, a virtual Hill Day as well as other meetings. So their registration is open. Please, um, they have some wonderful group um, group options for registration, group pricing. So if you've never attended a NACO event, this is a wonderful way to get involved with NACO. My last shout out um, is for ICG, the pool man. He's a living legend around these parts. Not join us today, so I'm gonna fill in for him. Capital Conversations podcast, which will be unveiled later this month. So far, we have invited legislators who are former county commissioners. So they have county ties, and they um, have done what you all are doing. But now they're at the state level, and we um, continue those relations. Very important. So Eric is sitting down to find out what their priorities are, as well as what what we need to do as counties to um, continue great work with them now the legislature so far he has interviewed representative altman representative stevenson and we have representative lamarca slated for next week so look forward to seeing more information about those and definitely listen in um with icg and eric pool that and that's all i have for today all right, Tiffany, thank you for keeping us abreast of everything that's going on. I'm telling you, this is the most highly rated segment. People should be working. And I, I'm taking applications and the suggestions. If people want their own segment, you got to step up like Tiffany. All right. Um, man. All right, as we get out of here, we've reached that time. So to the staff on the podcast, thank you for five weeks of this trial run. I think we keep getting better and better. Um, looking forward to a week off here before we get into the real thing. So, but we can't get out of here. And I want to hear this time wrap up the whole five weeks. All right, give me a couple words that wraps up the whole five weeks. I'm gonna start with the newbie, Spider Man, lover of Tobey Maguire, Sarah. Reflections on committee right, two weeks. Things to, I have two things to say. One, I think villains are often misunderstood on Tonette's point. And two, if this is any indication on how fast the weeks have flown by, I think we'll be in week eight before we know it of session. That's right. Hey, that's good. Yeah. Moving at the speed of session. Jeff, say goodbye to the people. Oh, man. The committee weeks have been fast and curious. You know, they've made seven of those. I think that's copyrighted. Fast and Furious. <laughs> You're right, though. Yeah, it's maybe too fast, too furious. I think they made that one too. That's copyrighted too. That's good. <laughs> Tiffany, say goodbye to the folks. All righty, goodbye, everybody. I guess it's been um, cliffhanger. I think of the game on the Price Is Right. <laughs> Tonette, what you got? First, thank you, Sarah, for having my bad girls run the world. And this has definitely been an experience for these five committee weeks. And I can't wait to see what the 2021 legislative session holds. All right. Live from Fort Lauderdale, Eddie, say goodbye to everybody. All right. Well, I have to agree with Jeanette. Women do run the world. No question about that. <laughs> and uh, my, my summation of the last five weeks, is controversial and preemptive. All right. Two words that I use to describe. Okay. B.O.B., you got 10 seconds. 
All right, as spring training kicks up around the rest of the state, its legislative equivalent comes to an end. Starting a week from Tuesday, they can start passing bills. That's right. All right, and folks, on behalf of the whole crew and on behalf of FAT, hey, we're going to take a breath for about a week and then we are going to get at it. We're going to move fast with them. Um, we are looking forward to working on your behalf as a team um, to tackle the challenges and opportunities for 2021. Um, but you know, I can't leave without pumping you guys up. And just I want to remind all of our commissioners, county staff, that it is not the critic who counts. It's not the person who points out how the strong person stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit always belongs to the person who is actually in the arena. And with that, on behalf of the crew for these first five committee weeks and getting ready to move on to session, we thank you and we look forward to serving you. Have a good one. <laughs>